Pastor Bob mentioned that I pastored for years in, uh, in Gig Harbor, Washington. Anybody know where Gig Harbor is? Yeah, that was my home and all. And then uh, 12 years ago, the Lord redirected our path, and we moved on down here to Clark County. It was, I, was, I was on staff at Multnomah University in the capacity of leading uh, international renewal ministry. And uh, just a little bit more sort of behind-the-curtain background in relationship to praying like Paul. Here's the bottom line. Jesus deserves the worship of every person in Clark County. Amen? He is worthy of our worship. He, is, he died so that every person in Clark County, best estimate, as it says on the front of the, the little booklet, 431,250. Every one of those people are precious to Jesus. He not only deserves the worship of every one of those people, he desires to bless every one of those people. It says in Genesis that God's plan was to bless all the families on earth. Folks, the truth is there are families in Clark County, Washington, who have not experienced the blessing of God. They deserve it. Jesus wants to bless them. So this prayer guide is another attempt, another step in the process, and you guys are involved in it, and many other churches are involved in it, of just simply seeing more worship rise up from Clark County to the throne of God. More of his blessing flow from the throne of God to the people in Clark County. You see, Jesus deserves more disciples from Clark County. So really, this is just another step in this process of fulfilling the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and what? Make disciples of all counties. Okay, I changed it, all right? Okay, of all nations, but of all, of all ethnic groups. So I trust that you see that that's your call in life. That's what I see as my call in life, is to do things so that more and more people would be disciples of Jesus Christ. So there are two activities that when we, when we participate in these two activities, we will grow in our relationship with Jesus. We will become better disciples of Jesus Christ. The first activity is spending time in God's Word. Amen? Spending time in God's Word. If you do this, you will grow. The second activity is spending time in meaningful prayer. Time in the Word, time in prayer. I've had the privilege of knowing some godly, godly elderly saints. The common factor of every one of those elderly saints who had walked with Jesus for a long time and whose life was just a sweet aroma of Jesus. You've met those kind of people. The common factor was this. They spent lots of time in the Word and lots of time in prayer. So listen to me. Young people, listen to me. Okay. If you don't want to grow in Jesus, don't do those things, man. Okay. Because if you read the Word, and if you take in the Word, and if you pray, you're going to grow. It's just going to happen. 
But if you do, and if you do want to grow in Jesus, that's what it takes. Time in the Word, time in prayer, and then, and then obviously lots of action. But the action has got to come out of that time in the Word and time in prayer. Well, when we pray the prayers of Scripture, like what we've designed praying like Paul to be, when we pray the prayers of Scripture, these two activities, time in the Word and time in prayer, become a catalytic event. It becomes a spark for us to grow almost exponentially. There's something powerful about praying Scripture and specifically about praying the prayers of Scripture. Those of you who were there last night and stayed awake as I was sharing, okay, a couple of you did, I know, okay? You, you, I, I referenced about the power of praying through using the Lord's Prayer as a pattern of our prayers. It's the same principle. Here what we've done is we've taken six key prayers of Paul over the next six weeks, and, and we're, we're unpacking them. I've asked five other pastors in the area to write out six prayers apiece of, from, from these, from these uh, prayers, and you'll have an opportunity to have these two activities of prayer and the Word come together in a very powerful way. So this morning, I just want to focus a little bit. I want, to sort of, I want to sort of dabble a little bit in praying like Paul from Philippians. Praying like Paul from Philippians. This is one of the, of the prayers that Paul prayed. And we're going to focus on chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. But first of all, I just want to reference there's, there's three other places in Philippians where Paul references prayer. The first one is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where Paul says, I thank my God. Every time I remember you, I'm thanking God with you, and I'm praying for you with joy. So just real, real quickly, Paul is praying for the saints that he loves. He's praying with thanks for the saints that he loves. That's a good pattern. God, thank you for these people that you've allowed me to influence. Thank you for these people who have influenced me. Later on in Philippians 1, verse 19, Paul says, And I'm convinced that because of your prayers for me, I'm going to be delivered from this current situation. So Paul not only prayed for the Philippians, Paul also was very grateful that he received the prayers of the Philippians. And, and the prayers that were prayed for him were powerful, were effective. And we know from history that, yes, he was released and he continued on in, in ministry. Then chapter 4, a prayer that, that Pastor Bob incorporated into his prayer earlier, just this morning, is it says in chapter 4, verse 6, don't be anxious about stuff, but... Did you catch that word? Don't be anxious, but... Don't be anxious. He didn't just say, don't be anxious. He gave us an alternative. Prayer is a wonderful alternative for anxiety. Prayer is a wonderful alternative. When you pray it, according to what he says here, with thanksgiving, in everything, in every situation, all the time, okay, pray with thanksgiving and, and the God of peace, excuse me, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety comes because stuff we allow our hearts and our minds to be impacted by circumstances around us. Peace comes as we pray and allow the peace of God 
to be a garrison, to be a wall around us, to be a defender around us. So those are some of the things related to prayer in Philippians. But I want to come back and dive into Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. If you have your Bibles, open it. If you don't have your Bible, I'm going to assume that you just have it memorized. Would that be a good assumption? And I'll just point to you, and you can quote Habakkuk chapter 4 for us. Okay? Okay, I know there's no Habakkuk chapter 4. I know that, okay? But uh, I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles, even though it's on the screen here. Paul in Philippians lays out this prayer. This is a a key thing that's on his heart. What he says is this. He says, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for you. You see, these prayers of Paul are prayers of Paul, the Apostle Paul, the guy who knew a little bit more about how to walk the Christian life than we do, the guy who was used by God not only to establish all kinds of congregations, but to write a whole bunch of the New Testament. So when we read these prayers of Paul, we should give them a certain honor. We should give them place. We should pay attention to them. And, he's, and, and he says, this is my prayer. But it's not just his prayer. All Scripture is inspired by, say it, God. This is not simply the prayer of a highly respected follower of Christ. Folks, catch it. This is the prayer of the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer of God squeezed through the life of Paul for the saints that he cared about. We do well to pay attention here. And he says, do you have have a prayer for people you love? Or when you pray, do you just sort of pray randomly? You see, this is a carefully thought out, I'm going to use an unusual word, schemed out. This is a carefully thought out prayer of Paul. This was not haphazard. This was very intentional, very deliberate. When you pray, do you pray intentional, on purpose, thought through, prayed through prayers for folks? I would encourage you to do that. One of the things that this booklet will do as you you pray through this is I believe you'll have an opportunity to elevate your prayers. You'll have an opportunity to pray better prayers. You know, All prayers are not of equal value. Don't stone me here. It's okay. It's not heresy. You know, Jesus told us twice how not to pray in Matthew chapter 6 before he told us once how to pray. If we pray the way he told us not to pray, that's not a good prayer. At the end of Matthew chapter 6, he says, folks are very concerned about certain stuff, the external stuff. What do we wear? What do we, like... We're not concerned about that. Only those folks were concerned about that. Well, what do we wear? What do we eat? Etc. And then Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, but, but, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things, the stuff that we're, norm, the, our, our worry list, all these things will be taken care of. You see, folks, if our prayer list flows out of our worry list, there's a better way to pray. 
And Paul, as he prayed, here's what he said. He said, this is my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that your love, your love may abound more and more. Is that a prayer that you pray often for the, for the folks that you know? I think we just sort of assume that they're doing okay in the area of love. I encourage you, let this, let the love of the saints that you know, let the love of the people in your congregation, let that be one of the top things you pray about. Jesus said, if they see you loving one another, it's going to make a huge difference. It will influence people to follow me. We haven't maxed out our capacity to love. In fact, three of the six prayers that we'll process through over the next six weeks, the major topic is love. Uh, should that tell us something? Yeah, it should. That should inform us. Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, is very concerned that today, 2013, Clark County, Washington, that the saints love and love well. My prayer is that your love, he's not assuming they have no love, he's assuming that they do have love, that your love would abound more and more. How many of you remember the first Nerf ball you held in your hand? Okay, you remember Nerf balls? How many of you remember the first Super Ball you held in your hands, okay? Those things came along sort of after I'd grown up, but they were here before my kids grew up, all right? So I remember Nerf Balls and, and, and Super Balls. When we think about this word abound, you see, if I were to drop a Nerf Ball from here, it would come up maybe a quarter of the way, maybe 15% of the way. wouldn't bounce up very high. But if I dropped a super ball here, it would bounce up about, about three-quarters, two-thirds or three-quarters of the okay? Paul is praying that we would not have Nerf ball love, but we would have super ball love. He's praying that, I don't know how they do, I don't know how they put, is it flubber? Is that what they put in that stuff? I don't know how they do that, but they, they've, they've, they've chemicalized it in some way. So that when you drop the ball, it's going to bounce much higher than it naturally would. That's Paul's prayer for love in Philippians chapter 1. I pray that it would abound. It would bounce higher than it normally would. That it would abound more and more. Again, I encourage you, don't think that praying that the people in Clark County, who are followers of Jesus, would love better is an insignificant prayer. Please see that as a powerful, powerful, God's will, necessary prayer for the saints in Clark County. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, you need to pray like that. <laughs> Good. Good. Now turn back to him and say, well, so do you. Yeah, you too, man. <clears throat> that your love would abound more and more. 
Pray for an increase of love. Pray for an increase of love amongst the saints in Clark County. And then he goes on, I pray that your, uh, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that, I want everyone to say, so that. Now I'm going to teach you a little Greek here, okay? You're going to be Greek scholars in the next five seconds. Say, hina. That word, so that, those words, so that, is the, is the translation of the Greek word, hina. In in all six of Paul's prayers, there's at least one so that, or henna. There's at least one purpose clause. What I found out is this. So much of my prayer has been, I've prayed about things. Paul didn't pray about things. Paul prayed toward something. Paul prayed on purpose. He prayed in a direction. He prayed that their love would abound so that they would have discernment so that they would have discernment so that they would know what is best in every situation. I'd like that. I'd like to know what's best in every situation. Okay? I think you'd like that as well. I think you would like to know, God, in the midst of this decision that my boss has imposed upon me, what is best here? What's my best response? What's my loving response? What is my Jesus response in the midst of this situation? When my friends have asked me to do A, B, and C, what is best here? Not what is best simply for me, but God, what is best for you? What's best for you? Paul was wise in the crafting of this prayer. I pray that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you'll be able to discern what is best and and that you will be pure and blameless. And that you'll be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. He's praying that I'll be pure and blameless, huh? Well, he's a little late. (laughs) Pure and blameless left a long time ago. Why is he praying that for me? Well, he's praying that because these words are not simply a reflection of what our past should have been. They're a reflection of what our present can be. Pure and blameless is not looking back and say, you should have done that differently. Pure and blameless is a state that we can be in because the word pure, it it, it means means let the sunlight in, basically. That's what that word means. Let the sunlight shine through into my life And as I unfold my life, you see, this is 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus continually cleanses, continually purifies us. The purity that he's praying for 
in, in Philippians chapter 1 is a result of just simply saying, God, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide here. When we say that, he purifies us. He cleanses us. So don't, don't get locked in saying it's too late for anybody to pray for me that I'd be pure or blameless. And you see the word blameless is a similar kind of word. The word blameless does not mean you've never made a mistake. The word blameless means that all the mistakes you've made, you have done your part to take care of. That's within your grasp. That's within your grasp. So these words are not about the past. These words are about the present and the future. As we say, okay, God, here we go. Here we go from now on. Let's, let's move it forward. Pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. You know about the fruit of the Spirit. And you, know why, you know why God wants to have the, the fruit of the Spirit go through your life? It's so that you can be picked on. Okay, think it through, think it through, okay? The fruit is growing here. There, other people are going to pick, pick your fruit, okay? It's so that you can be picked on. It's so that other people can experience the fruit of Jesus growing through your life. And here, the fruit is the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of right standing, the fruit of being in right relationship before God based on what Jesus accomplished at the cross, the fruit of being in right relationship with the people around me based on the fact that when I blew it, I did my part to try to make it right. It's within our grasp. It's doable. It's doable. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes because of our hard work. Don't shake your head at me, sir. Okay, go ahead and shake your head at me. <laughs> no, that's not. It's the fruit of righteousness that comes through someone who is genuinely righteous and is willing to share. He is righteous and he gives us his righteousness. We get to stand, we get to live, we get to walk in the fruit of his righteousness. The last few words of this prayer I think are my favorite. Okay? To the glory and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. Now, <clears throat> could I ask you to sort of tuck your feet in under the pew for just a minute? Okay, because I don't want to step on anyone's toes here. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> to the praise, or to the glory and praise of God. You know, a lot of times, we as genuine followers of Jesus Christ, we can get things a little bit skewed in our thinking. We can think that because God wants to give us an abundant life, that the reason, we can begin to think that the reason why he saved us is to give us an abundant life. To get us out of bad circumstances that we got ourselves into. To give us stuff, not only that we need, but that we want. You see, it's easy for us to think that we are at the center of the gospel. That we're at the center of this Bible story of God, man, Jesus, the cross, etc. 
We are in the story, but we're not the center of the story. We're not the center of the story. God did not save you just for your sake. He brought you the good news of Jesus Christ so that his son would be more and more exalted forever and ever and ever because you and you and you and you and you would be able to look at him and express the stunnedness that he would save us. We get to express that for all eternity. We get to stand before him and say, wow, it's, it's eternity, you know, wow, it's a long wow. We get to stand before him and express to him. We get to climb into the, the throne room scene of Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And we get to say with them, worthy are you of honor and glory and praise. You see this whole gospel stuff? It includes us, but it's not about us. It's about one far more worthy than me or you or the person sitting next to you. It's about the one who is genuinely, the one, you see this Bible story is a story about how a father loves a son and how the spirit enters into that and how we as mankind, even though we have chosen against God's ways, we have the privilege of being restored to him so that Jesus would receive more and more honor and glory. That's pretty good. I think I'll get saved. Bob, can you come give an altar call and I'll respond to it right now? Okay. That's a good story. Now, I want to go back. Just keep the slide there. But I want to go back to the first part of this prayer. My, this is my prayer. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Well, Paul, that's a pretty good prayer. Okay? How many of you would vote that that's a pretty good prayer? Yeah, that's, uh, right? Pretty good prayer. Okay, well, how does that happen? How does our love abound more and more? Do I pump up my, my love balloon here? Do I somehow, do I uh, get, a, get a bigger bucket of love? What do I, how, do I, how do I do that? All we have to express love is a conduit, a hose of his love, that his love can flow through. You see, we don't have a love tank that we can tap into and use as we see fit. We don't have that. That's not, that doesn't exist. All we have is the capacity to tap into his love. So if you want to love God more, if you want to love people more, the Bible way of doing that is 1 John 1, 19, excuse me, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love, that is we love God, we love people because he first loved us. 
we love because he first loved us. The degree to which we are able to grasp and receive this wonderful love of God, that's the degree to which we can then reflect his love back to him and his love to other people. So, Paul, how do, how do we go about this thing of having Super Bowl love? How do, we, how do we do that? He says, I know how you can do that. I know how you do that. What you do is you do what David did in the Psalms over and over again. You know what, what John told us in 1 John 4.19. What you do is you stand and look at God and open your heart and receive His love for you because that's the only hope that we have to then let that love of God flow through us to affect other people and, in fact, back to Him. It's my understanding that in a few minutes there's going to be a baptism. Who's the, who's the lady who's going to be baptized? Do you mind identifying yourself here? Right there. Gloria, you can sit down. That's fine. <clears throat> well, we're just going to talk just a little bit. You guys are welcome to listen in if you'd like. <clears throat> I'm so excited for what you're doing today. Glory. That's good. That's good. Because, again, remember I talked about disciples early on? Okay. You're, you're taking a step of discipleship today. You see, because in Matthew <clears throat> 28, uh, 19 to 20 right here, it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them, teaching them to do, not teaching them about, but teaching them to do, their behavior would be different, to do all that I've commanded you. So there's a list of 1,478 things that Jesus commanded us to do, and you've got to memorize them all. <laughs> what do you mean, don't shake your head. What do you mean? <clears throat> Jesus was wonderfully simple and wonderfully profound when he said, hey, I've got an idea. Do this. The greatest commandments are love. The Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Your baptism today is one part of, one part of being a disciple. What, li- what, what allows you to live out that discipleship is that you would grow in loving God and loving people. As you do that, as you fulfill those two great commandments, you live out your discipleship. Now, this is only true for her, okay? This isn't true for anyone else. Don't go, don't go get that idea in your head, okay? So, so Paul's prayer this morning, my prayer for you this morning, is that your love would abound more and more because, not just simply because you try harder to love those people who don't really deserve my love, but rather that you look at Jesus, you look at the cross, you look and you see, this is where the Father has displayed his love for me, and you stand there gazing at that, letting that impact you until your conduit is full and you can flow out, and his love, not your love, but his love will it will flow through in an abundant amount, in an abundant measure through your life to affect people around you as well as that love flows back to him. I'm so excited about what you're doing this morning. Good. Okay, you guys can listen again now if you'd like. <clears throat> oh, the deep 
deep love of Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? I want to ask you to do something, and it's going to stretch some of you. Some of you aren't going to like it. Some of you are going to feel uncomfortable. Quite frankly, I don't care if you feel uncomfortable or not. What would it be like if you came to church every week and you still felt comfortable when you left? That would not be a good thing, okay? I'm going to ask that you would get with two other people, and we're going to pray together just very quickly, okay? Get with two other people. Now, move, okay? <clears throat> get with a couple other people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to pray something. It'll, be very, it'll, be, it'll work. It'll work. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry what to say. I'm going to tell you what to say, okay? <clears throat> be very easy here. Does that look like two other people to you? Okay, it's okay. Four is fine. Okay, four is fine. Okay. <clears throat> okay. But six over there is not fine, okay? Six doesn't work very good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray like Paul prayed. I want you to pray like Paul from Philippians. I want you to pray very, very simply. Father, and, and I'm, I'm going to ask that you pray for the person on your right. Okay, so we'll just sort of go right around the circle here, okay? I want to ask you very simply, just simply say, Father, would you make, and then you put the person's name in there, would you make, for example, Bob's love abound more and more? Amen. Now, you can expand it beyond that, but just go around the circle and pray at least that. In fact, can we put the slide back up because some of these people might not even remember more and more. Okay? There it is right there, that, you, that your love may abound more and more. Okay? Just pray that around. You don't have long. You better get right on it, okay? One, two, three, pray. Got just another couple seconds here. All right, let me, let me just pray right over the top of you here, please. Father in heaven, thank you for your great love for us, God. Thank you that your love for us abounds more and more. You have super love for us. God, let us be impacted by your great love so that we would, in return, love you better and love the people around us better. We pray like what Paul prayed here, God, we, we pray for the saints in, at Brush Prairie, for the saints in Clark County. God, let our love abound more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.